So please open your Bibles with me again this morning to Colossians chapter 2. And actually I spoke wrong to uh, the scripture reading guys and, the, and the, actually the, the PowerPoint guys. We're going to be actually preaching till verse 7. Uh, so just so you have it down, we're going to be looking at uh, Colossians 2 verses 1 through 7. Because you'll see there, we want to be abounding as well in thanksgiving at the end of our sermon. And this is a section that we will pull our main questions from the text. But really, as I looked at this sermon, I'm looking at the entire letter of Colossians uh, as we consider the message this morning. So if you have your cell phone or if you have a pew Bible, if you're new visiting us and you don't know how to find your way, that's okay, to Colossians. It's 983 of the pew Bible in front of you this morning. So Paul, uh, the guy that writes this letter, he's in prison, and he's in prison because he's a Christian. And you never know he's in jail by the way he writes and his attitude, and many people don't realize that he is in a very difficult situation, he's in prison. But he writes to the church, and the church of his colleague and church planning friend Epaphras, who evidently is really encouraged about the faith, love, and hope of his congregation, and hundreds and hundreds, really hundreds of new Gentile believers. But there seems to be some leaders and teachers in the region who don't understand the true gospel of God's provision of the complete power and filling they already have as new Christians. There's also confusion on how people grow in their faith after they become a Christian. Over and again, Paul mentions that the Christians are currently doing an awesome job. They're, they're stable. It's okay. He's encouraged by their faith. But he's warning and teaching. He's teaching them not to fall from their current completeness, their current fullness, and their steadfastness. As Jesus said, he wants them to abide in Christ. This new false teaching could end up leading the Christians here on a wild goose chase for years to come waiting aimlessly for some other filling outside the gospel or some other experience outside the gospel, which they've already been given. And worse yet, these unthankful teachers are in risk of possibly experiencing demonic experiences that would, could mimic the true filling of the Holy Spirit and thereby many be deceived. In fact, it could become a threat for the health and growth of the true gospel in the entire Asian peninsula. Epaphras comes to Paul with the news of the threat to the gospel, and Paul is praying about this. Three times he mentions he's praying. But Paul, knowing the, God, the power of the gospel, he describes himself as struggling in prayer, but he's struggling with thanksgiving. He's struggling with even joy, an encouraged and thankful heart, even with this monstrous threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And look at chapter 1, verse 29. He says, For this I toil struggling. You're getting a hint already of the title of our message, Happy Struggling. So he's struggling. He's working and he's struggling. For this, chapter 2, verse 1, part of our text, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Paul wants us to know how great of a struggle. He wanted them to know, I think the Holy Spirit wants us to know this morning, how great a struggle Paul was having. Also, in chapter 4, verse 12, Epaphras, according to Paul, is always struggling on their behalf uh, in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. 
She says, For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. The gospel power here is fully assuring them at the moment, but someone has come along to suggest that they need to look for another type of filling. So Paul and Epaphras are both struggling. And Paul believes this letter is so important that he writes in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see to it that you read the letter from Laodicea. So Paul wants this letter, well, letter read by everyone. Colossians 4 only has four chapters, so it's really easy and interesting to follow Paul's train of thought. So three simple questions this morning as we look at our text. How is, Paul, or how is Paul struggling? Why is Paul struggling? And how we should struggle. How we should uh, join Paul in the same struggle that he is having. So first of all, how is Paul and Epaphras struggling? The dictionary defines struggle for us as to make strenuous or violent efforts in the face of difficulties or opposition. If you're here checking us out today or maybe new to the Christian faith, you're also struggling here to navigate our foreign lingo, our Christian lingo. We invite you to please come ask us questions. Our faith is like a huge, beautiful mansion with many, many rooms. We as a church are sort of butlers to show you around this huge mansion. It may take a few visits for, to welcome you properly, but please be patient with us and ask for help as you navigate your way around the scriptures. The Bible is an ancient book, 66 different books with over 44 different authors. The letter we're studying today was written in the first century, so they spoke the Greek language. So I looked up this word struggle that Paul was using in the Greek language, and it's very interesting. It's the word agono, or agonizomai. It sounds like the name of the, one of the mighty morphin uh, power rangers, doesn't it? Agonizomai. Say it with me this morning. Agonizomai. A little bit louder. Agonizomai. What are you hearing there? Agony. Agony. Struggle. Fight. Paul is agonizomai. He is agono. He is fighting. Agonizomai is the verb. Agono is, actually, uh, is also a verb, but there are different ways of saying the same word. But this word could actually, agonizomai, I was thinking about this, could actually be a very good brand name for a functional training gym. I could just imagine the logo and the t-shirts. Yellow, I think, is the t-shirt for our, our gym, Planet Agonizomai. You could then tell the background story of the first century book of Colossians to your clients and eventually give the gospel. I mean, it'd be a great, great, a great commission business idea. Go ahead, you can use it. No problem this morning. The personal trainers at your gym would need to teach cutting-edge fitness science that there is, listen up, listen in, there is no quick fix. Just the lifelong struggle of healthy daily habits. By the way, lifelong clients are a dream of any business. But the challenge will be to convince them to sign the lifelong struggle contract. It will be a challenge because we as humans don't like the word struggle. Or even less, lifelong struggle. I recently heard the news that I would have to take a lifelong, I could possibly, have to take a lifelong medication. I almost went into depression when I heard that word. I don't even have, I've never taken one, vaca one medication, little, a lifelong medication. A brother friend told me here recently that his son was diagnosed with a lifelong disease of diabetes. I don't like the struggle. My natural inclination is to drift from comfort towards comfort, but not struggle. But if the truth would be told as I look back in my life, 
the things that really matter, the real goodies of life, the things that are rich and precious to me, they've come through the times that I've struggled. The proper worldview for life is understood and defined as a long struggle. Anyone who tries to sell you anything else, don't listen to them. Life is hard. Life is a struggle. People often dream of a struggle-free life. A life where you can eat mint chocolate moose tracks every day and not get fat. That would be my dream if it's possible, but I can't do that. So continue our agonizing, agonizomai gym metaphor. We've seen and met those amazing humans who lead by example in their health and fitness. They're happy, uh, as they, they're happy as can be with this struggle of life, and, and we need those kind of clients in our new gym. They have learned to accept and embrace the daily routine, no matter how hard it gets. We can even see moments of their struggle that bring them to tears and even failure. It's not always the first place triumph that they win, but they fight the good fight, they finish the race. They're champions because they finish the race. They're happy struggling. And they're so happy struggling that they love to draw other people into their struggle as well. They'll be the greatest salesman for our new gem, Planet Agonizomai. So, why is Paul really, though, on a serious note, struggling? Of course, he doesn't like pain. That would be kind of warped. But Paul describes his feelings about this struggle. Look real quick at chapter 1, verse 25. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings, the same concept of struggling, for your sake. Paul has grown so much in his faith that he's able to forget his own struggles and to focus on the struggles of others. He's found joy in struggling for the struggles of others. I'll repeat that. He's found joy and struggling for the struggles of others. Paul is so filled with the Holy Spirit, fulfilled with Christ, that he sees his sufferings for others, as he says here as well, filling up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. He's so filled that he's filling up a huge space that exists in the world of so many people needing help and needing as well. The filling of Christ. Paul knows and is experiencing the filling of the Spirit so much that he has come to actually forget his own struggle as he's here in prison. He's struggling. Him and Epaphras are struggling in prayer. They're fighting in prayer. They're fighting with thanksgiving, with joy, uh, with the for the struggles of others. And brother, sister, friend here today, you don't have to be a Christian for 20 years or 30 years, or 40 years, or 10 years, or 5 years, to experience God's power to struggle for the struggles of others. Jesus commands all of us to take up our cross daily and follow him. So shall you be my disciples. Take up your struggles, take up your problems, and follow Jesus. For the joy set before him, Jesus did this, and he calls us to do the same thing. And like a faithful father, Jesus, the, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit has given us the very power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel to become happy, content servants, happy struggling for the struggles of others. Here in Colossians, he is teaching and warning the believers of the mystery of the gospel. He's trying to dispel the myth and the false teachers that Christian growth and sanctification has some quick fix or, some, or, or, or for the daily struggle that there's some easy way out, or that there's some special, also deeper life, or some type of add-on experience that we should be groaning and seeking for outside of our one-time incredible package of salvation. 
The scary is, the scary thing is, is that maybe some of these who are seeking an add-on to their salvation yet don't understand the rich and amazing filling and wisdom that has already been given to them in the gospel. Even as a new Christian, one or two days old, Paul says, you have been given all that you need in Christ. He argues this clearly in chapter 2, verse 23. He says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body. And please listen to the boom of this warning here. Let it sink into our consciences like an exploding piece of dynamite or a sin-exploding piece of dynamite and say, look, look, listen to what they say. They are of no value. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They are no value over the fight we have with sin. Victory over sin is only found in the daily, constant, vigilant. And Paul says, I die daily, lifelong struggle, motivated by the power of the cross. And Paul tells us, we don't have time because of our time to read this morning, but Colossians 3, 1 through 10, he will show us what it means to live daily with the power of the cross, mortifying our sin, putting away sin, put it on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive from heaven, receive from glory all the good things that God wants to give us, gentleness, meekness, peace, love, ultimately love for other people that comes from God. No matter how much we pray or fast or, or if we're not willing to put off and put on the character of God through the Holy power of the Holy Spirit, these religious practices have no value in stopping the indulgence of our flesh. How does Paul struggle? He knows that the struggle is one in the mind. It begins in the mind. So he gives them truth. Paul will demonstrate that our salvation package is so complete. We have been given creation, redemption, forgiveness, complete victory, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. And if you're new here this morning, salvation is one of the big mansions that each of us need to go through and check out all the rooms and explore every single beautiful room of this mansion. You go to the very top of this mansion and you can see the glory of God. Glorification, sanctification, this amazing salvation transferred us from the kingdom of darkness, Paul says, to the kingdom of his dear son. Our one-time baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is a gift, a seal, a down payment of our final future glorification. Paul explains all these things Rather quickly in this short letter of Colossians, he gives us a new nature to be a new creation, renewed daily in the image of this creator. It's an amazing package that Paul is so excited about. In just a short amount of time, he expresses it through many verbs and nouns that describe this incredible salvation package, package that these new believers have. And some morons are trying to convince them that they need something else. He continues here, even with this command, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. We see that in Ephesians. But look at what Paul argues here in chapter 1, verse 9. He says, for in Jesus, this is amazing, for in Jesus the whole fullness of the deity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dwells bodily. What does he say there? And you have been filled in him. Past present, continuous. You have been filled in him already. So brothers and sisters, <laughs> you can be really encouraged 
we should be encouraged. We can say, be encouraged. It's a command. Be encouraged. You are rich indeed. New Christian here today. Last week, maybe you trusted Christ. You are rich. You are full already in Christ. Paul is saying that with the resurrection power of the divine nature in you, that same power that God created the world from nothing, that greater than nuclear energy of God by grace and faith, you now have a new nature. All that you need pertaining to life and godliness, Peter will shadow. New and old Christian here today, we have been filled in him. Paul masterfully and concisely describes the reality of this joyful struggling when he writes in verse, chapter 1, verse 29, look closely at this because it's so important as well. He says, for this I toil, struggling. Look what he says there. With all his energy <laughs> that he powerfully works in me, within me. Paul says, guys, stop looking for something else. What's in your hand? Like he told Moses, what's in your hand? You've been filled. This is the Higgs-Boson field for you physicists. This is the God particle. <laughs> Paul says, I'm struggling, I'm toiling, I'm working. And he can do it joyfully because it's this power of God that's working within him. That's why he concludes this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the end of our message, therefore, <laughs> therefore, in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received this Christ, as you have received Jesus Christ, what do you do? Walk in Him. Walking is actually very good for you. They say it's better than running. It's better than a lot of the other things that are hard on your body. Start walking. Walk in Him. Rooted, grounded, built up, established just as you've been taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Friends, this is the power of the gospel message that if you grab a hold of today, it will change your life forever. If indeed, Paul says, if indeed you have believed in him. Maybe you're here today and it's your first time here or second or third time or you've been here for many years and you have not yet come to receive the filling of Christ, the filling of God, the filling of the Spirit, the salvation of Jesus Christ in your life that Paul speaks of, this joy, this power, and, and you are so consumed with your own struggles, you can't, you're in bondage to your own sin and struggles, you can't ever, ever see above this to help be involved or to struggle like Paul for the struggles of others. And you would love to have that ability to help others, but you yourself need a physician. You hear today, Jesus is saying, like today, as he said then, on the, the last day of the feast, the great date, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come. Come to me and drink. You can come today. Whoever believes in me, the scripture says, out of his water, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now Jesus said this about the spirit whom he had believed, who had believed were not yet received, for yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But brothers and sisters, Friends here visiting that don't know Jesus, they haven't come to Jesus. The Spirit has been glorified, He has been given, and now's the day to come and receive Him as your Savior. You can do it right now. Bow your head in your seat and cry out to God, forgive me for my sins. I trust Jesus as my Savior. Receive Christ, the wonderful gift of salvation. Come after the service, talk to us. We're here to serve you. We're here to talk to you about Jesus Christ 
and to receive and to know the filling of God, which is wisdom and knowledge and righteousness, all this incredible salvation package in Christ. So why is Paul struggling? The Holy Spirit wants us to know why Paul is struggling. He says in verse 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. And here he says, why he's struggling. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet am I with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Look at verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. We can understand this part of Paul's struggle because it's the same in Paul's day as it is today. So many people inside the church and outside the church are discouraged. We get depressed and tired of fighting the battle of sin and death. Our health struggle gets us down. Our marriage and family struggles rip our hearts in two. The guilt of the past Sometimes the present sin in our lives zap our fruitfulness. We get lonely. Our hearts as humans are so prone to get discouraged. Paul knows, Paul knows from personal experience the joy of seeing a struggling man or a struggling woman or a struggling child get a hold of a little encouragement deep down in their hearts. In the darkness of human suffering, there's no stopping and many of you know this, there's no stopping the power of even a little dose of encouragement when you're discouraged. I can remember when I was in, working in Brazil, a church member of ours asked me to visit her sister that had just been admitted into the mental hospital, and she had actually been in and out of there many times. And she asked if uh, Patty and I could go visit her. And, and as I heard her story, I thought, man, my, my stomach, I, I actually got sick, not sick to my stomach, but I nervous in my stomach, and I said, man, this, 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 this lady's life has been hard. She was there in this hospital that was run by spiritists, and they were trying all kinds of things on her to see her come out of this deep depression she was in. So Patty and I went. Uh, I was a little bit nervous, uh, like what I would say to this lady, but we prayed and went with the power of the word. But I remember to this day when we walked up to her, they had put her out in the sun, so she could get some sun, but she was sitting on a chair in the middle of the grass in this beautiful uh, mental hospital, sitting there with her, with, with her arms between her legs, all crunched up in the chair, not saying a word, wouldn't respond. And I walked up to her, and I said, in Portuguese, I said, ma'am, senhora, na Bíblia tem um homem que se chama David, there's a man in the Bible named David, who struggle with depression just like you. I'll never forget. <laughs> I couldn't say anything else. She raised her head and looked at me. I kind of got scared. She said, really? <laughs> and all sincere, she says, is it true? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I just read her the word. That lady went up from there, went out of that home, begin to grow in Christ and learn more of Christ and struggle, continue to struggle for years to come, but yet struggling with joy and the power of the gospel. 
Paul knows the power of encouragement. He's saying Paul continues to explain his great struggle that their hearts may be encouraged and as a result that being knit together in love, being knit together in love, they will understand the riches of Christ. Brothers and sisters, Paul is speaking here of the amazing fellowship we have in the church, the body of Christ. The church is formed and called to be somewhat the fitness center, so to speak, of the faith. And working together with other brothers and sisters when we're discouraged and down to be knit together in love. There are no free-range uh, Christians uh, who are really that healthy. The church is the place that's created and designed by God for people to grow together to receive the encouragement of the filling of Christ. As we grow in knowledge of him, Paul says in Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church. Colossians 3, 14 and 17, above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you have been called to one body and be thankful. And Paul's struggling. He is struggling in prayer and he's struggling here joyfully and thankfully that they could be encouraged, being knit together in love. And here is the why statement of his uh, purpose of this struggle. His concern is to reach all the full riches of full assurance and of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We could take each one of these things and talk about them today as Paul has expanded this out in his letter. But he wants them to know. He's praying that they know and realize by faith what they already possess and what they already have access to that they've already been filled. There's a danger here of rejecting this as well. In becoming unthankful, these false teachers are unthankful for the provision, the complete provision of God. And their foolish hearts are being darkened, as Romans says. And we, I've heard it once say that when thankfulness dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is nigh near helpless. And when we become unthankful for God's perfect provision, the temptation, and that's why we have so many religions today, they're seeking for God in some extra add-on experience besides Christ alone. We need to be careful of this. We need to be careful of, 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 of not being thankful for the filling that God has already given us. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with possible arguments. But again, Paul is positive and hopeful. He says, for, I, for though I'm absent in body, guys, I'm with you in the spirit. I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Keep on keeping on. We love you. Hang in there. One foot in front of the other. Keep on keeping on in Christ. Also encouraging here. And lastly, just to conclude our time this morning, how can I struggle like Paul? It's described here again in, in the terms of a, a long obedience. If you read uh, Colossians, you'll see these words, you'll see this stuff repeated over and over again in Paul's concepts of this building, establish, rooted, grounded, long-term faithfulness. Because the fight with sin will never end until glory. We, there's no way to eradicate the sinful nature. There's no such thing as sinless perfection. We have to die daily and realize our fight with sin. But Paul says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, with the wind of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your sails. And I love the quote. May there always be a road with the wind at your back. <laughs> as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, walk. Don't look back. Walk. With this power given you in Christ, walk 
rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught. Paul says, you, I taught this to you guys over and over again. We have taught you the basic elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ. I've taught you this. You have learned this. But be careful of these guys who will pull you away. He says, do this. And lastly, what we did this morning, what was so sweet, he says to keep your heart from struggling and to keep your heart happy in Christ. Keep a 10,000 thanks journal. No, he doesn't say that. He says, abound in thanksgiving. He says, sing. He says, praise the name of Christ. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Praise him. Give thanks. Because if you don't give thanks, or if we don't realize what all, if we look back and see the works of God, there's a danger that our hearts again can become cold. Thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. Over and again, Paul is praying, as Pastor Jonathan said, he prays for you with thanksgiving. I'd like to invite you this morning, tomorrow morning, to walk with us at Planet Agonizomai. Sign the lifelong contract at the door. Get the free t-shirt. If you don't like the color, I might be able to talk to their investors to change that. But we have a gym on every corner in New Hampshire. We're open 24-7 a day. And we actually have locations around the world. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, again, I invite you to come. Come to Christ. Find him and all that he is to us here today. Come to him. Come after the service. Come and talk to one of us, please. If he's calling you today, respond to his call.